We have a brand new week of shows all about the Southeast coming your way. John Rawl, I'll be your friendly narrator. I'll be your friend. And I'm going to be on telling you what's going on across Dixie these next few days as we are just about to kick into the 12 days of Christmas. But we got a whole bunch of days about the Southeast that we'll be passing along your way on this, the show that shakes the Southland. We are y'all. A pleasant Monday to you. For most of you across the South, weather-wise, going to be a very nice, not so hot and not all that cold day. So enjoy it. Good day to get out and do that yard work you've been pushing back a little while. We've had some soggy days for a lot of Southerners. And so a great chance for you to finish up whatever you were working on before the rain came or the cold weather came. And for some of you, it might be a good day, although... I think now that I think about it, it it is Monday, and a lot of places aren't open on Monday, but this would be a great day to get off to the golf course if you're into that. But a lot of golf courses close down on Monday. Maybe yours doesn't. Maybe you'll find one close by. And I love playing this time of year if you get a chance because it's not as crowded, and whenever I start hitting balls in the woods and hit them about 10 feet with each swing, not too many people see it, and that's a good thing. Uh, I, I need to work on that golf game. But right now, I'm working on my Southern game with you, and we're glad that you could join us here. You can reach the Y'all Show as we are available in text form 24-7, 615-208-4184, 615-208-4184. Email address for the program, All About the South, is mail dot mail at y'all.com. Those are the great and easy ways to find us here on the y'all show and to give you an idea of what's ahead on this monday edition we've got headlines coming in from across the southeast today and i actually have a few abortion related stories to tell you about one from texas one from tennessee one on the pro-life side and one on the pro-choice side so just what you've wanted abortion stories to kick off your work week We've got that coming up, plus a former U.S. ambassador arrested in the state of Florida. What in the world is going on there? I'll have that story for you. Alabama is going to get the state's first ever presidential debate, and we'll tell you some news about that. Plus, don't go swimming off the coast of Savannah, Georgia right now. A 1,700-pound shark spotted off of the coastal empire. I'll let you know about that in our headlines today. Plus, we've got the best and worst states for jobs coming up in our headlines today. And Beyonce, number one at the box office. Congratulations to the Texas kid. We'll tell you about her feet and much more as we go through various headlines today. Also, in this opening hour of our little Southern conversation, we've got hashtag hullabaloo coming your way. And I'm going to tell you about grilled pimento cheese. You know, there's the grilled cheese sandwich, and then there's the pimento cheese sandwich. But, y'all, you got something called grilled pimento cheese. And I'm going to fill you in about that. Plus, is Texas in the South? A question comes to us, and I need help answering. So I'm going to go to the Lone Star State for that answer. And so if you're a Texan and you're listening to this show right now, you're probably thinking, of course, we're a southern state. But if you're one of those Texas haters, and I have not been a Texas hater in my life, but I haven't been the biggest fan of Texas, okay? Mainly because 
Well, I don't really have a good reason. I guess I maybe it's Texas envy. If you're from a state smaller than Texas, you might have a little envy of the Lone Star State. And I say that because I think every state's smaller than Texas, other than Alaska, from a size standpoint. <laughs> but we, we will talk about Texas, and is it a southern state? Uh, 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 stay, stay tuned for that one. That's going to be a fun discussion later this hour. Hour two today, we've got our Southern History Spotlight coming your way. And it was on this day in history, the last hostage held by Lebanon was released. And I'm going to tell you about this man who has connections to the South. And it was in the early 1990s that after being held for several years, he was let go in the nation of Lebanon. We'll fill you in on that. Plus a couple of other folks with birthdays today. A person in history you probably aren't that familiar with. The general of the Confederacy known as Old Blizzards with a birthday today. He has an amazing story, and I'll fill you in on old blizzards in our Southern History Spotlight today. Plus, today is the birthday, the 90th birthday, of Jackson, Tennessee's own, and I guess you could call him television's own, Wink Martindale. Wink was born on this day in Jackson, went on to Memphis early in his career, teamed up with a fellow named Elvis Presley, and ended up being on television for a long time. He lives in Hawaii these days. But Wink Martindale turning 90 years young today. Happy birthday, sir. Today is also the birthday of a guy that just got fired last Monday. A week after he was fired, he has a big birthday. Happy birthday to former NFL quarterback, former Maryland Terrapin quarterback, former Carolina Panthers and Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich. A Charlotte resident who is a Presbyterian minister, uh, he'll be laying the good book on his birthday today. I'll tell you more about Reich, who engineered the greatest comeback in playoff history in the NFL. All that is headed your way in our Southern History Spotlight in hour number two. We also have in that second hour today, you know, we got Christmas just days away. What are we now, three weeks away from Christmas, specifically today? Yes, we are. So we know that you probably don't want to get your food for the big holiday feast until the last moment. But there's a few things you probably need to go ahead and start making the move on if you're wanting to really have a spread in a big way this year. And one way to do that is to have a wonderful setting for your dinner, your thank your 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 not Thanksgiving, your Christmas feast, okay? So we've got an article that we were able to pull up. And we're going to tell you, courtesy of Epicurious.com is the website. They've got an article, 23 Perfect Christmas Place Setting Ideas. So, wow. When I tell you about these, you're going to, go to, want, you're going to want to go to Epicurious.com, and you're going to want to see what they got. And you're going to have enough time to figure out which one of these place settings you like and put in your order so that it will be right there, unboxed, and ready for you to put your delicious feast on come 25 December. So we've got all that coming up. It's part of our Southern Food for Thought, hour number two. Hour number three today, we're going to have a lot of talk about college football. We're going to have Kiefer Ingalls dropping back by. Did you hear? Did you see? Did you feel, if you're a FSU fan, the agony that Florida State felt Sunday, when they found out they'd been shut out 
of the college football playoff. This is a team that went undefeated. They won their conference championship game with a third-string quarterback from Covington, Tennessee. And the reward for all of that success, they got left out of the four-team college football playoff. Kiefer Ingles, our guy that comes on normally on Thursday, I've got him coming back in here today to make sense of this college football mess because college football is kind of a big deal here in the South. And we'll go through the entire bowl lineup as we know who all's playing is your favorite college football team heading off to a great bowl destination. We'll walk through it all, get Kiefer's take. All that is part of our Southern Culture Spotlight coming in our final hour. Plus, we'll give you an idea of what's on the Y'all Show heading your way the rest of the week. That is what we call a pretty dang good setup for this Monday Y'all Show. And you know what? We can't wait to get involved and tell you all the good stuff. And we'll do that on the other side of this break. I've got that abortion coverage that I told you we would be getting to. Some pro-life, some pro-choice stuff making news in the southeast here to start off your new work week we got it coming up right after this some pep in your step we're back here on the show all about the southeast continuing on with headlines going on in dixie today and george Strait's native state of texas making headlines as the texas supreme court has scrutinized efforts to clarify exceptions to the state's abortion ban the lawsuit brought forward before the texas supreme court is among the biggest challenges to Abortion bans in the U.S. since Roe v. Wade was overturned in 2022. Earlier this year, several women in Texas gave emotional testimony about carrying babies they knew would not survive and doctors unable to offer abortions despite their spiraling conditions. And now the Texas Supreme Court weighing in over the last few days in Austin and coming up with a story now to tell you about how women who couldn't get abortions now are taking their challenge to the state's Supreme Court. The lawsuit does not seek to repeal Texas's abortion ban, but it does try to force more clarity on when exceptions are allowed under the law, which is one of the most restrictive laws in the state, the one in Texas. Under this law, Texas doctors who perform abortions can risk life in prison or fines of up to $100,000. And so some real confusion going on and therefore a group of women bringing a lawsuit in front of the Supreme Court of the state of Texas. Now, on the pro-life side, and this story comes to us from the state of Tennessee, did you realize that as a result of the 2022 Roe v. Wade decision, 
This may be commonplace throughout the South, but I only have this for the state of Tennessee. So how about this story? As a result of the, I mean, you could call it as a result, since, let me just 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 be real neutral here and say, since 2022 with the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, births in Tennessee have increased by 3%. 3% increase of births in the volunteer state. That's a lot. That is an absolute significant bump in beautiful babies being born. And could you directly connect Roe v. Wade's overturn to this? No, but it sure seems that way, doesn't it? Using Provisional Centers for Disease Control and Prevention data for the first half of this year, a professor with Middlebury has looked at the data coming in from the Tennessee births and determined that there was a 3.3% increase in this. The statistician saying that when you look at the birth rate, it's clear that roughly a fifth or perhaps a quarter of people seeking abortions are deterred by the bans, and they're not finding one of these ways and are giving birth as a result. Tennessee women, according to this story out, some Tennessee women have found that traveling out of state for abortions when they need to do that, they need to travel more than 130 miles to do so. So, for example, if you're a Memphis woman looking for an abortion, in some cases you have to go all the way into southern Illinois to find an abortion clinic. And then people in East Tennessee, for example, can go well into North Carolina, it looks like, or Virginia to find abortion options for them. But Look at the positive on this. 3% birth increase in the state of Tennessee as a result of overturning Roe v. Wade and putting it back into the states, of which Tennessee, like most all southern states, has been restrictive in getting the access to abortions in that particular southern state. But uh, some some stories, abortion-wise, <laughs> to get your week going. Back to Texas. And a court has ordered the state to move the Rio Grande floating buoy barrier that Mexico was not very happy about. And now the state of Texas has been handed its second legal defeat in its fight for Operation Lone Star. And they put that orange thing out there in the middle of the Rio Grande. And now this country's own courts coming down on Texas for trying to stop illegal immigration. The U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals requires Texas to stop any work on the roughly 1,000-foot barrier and want it moved to the riverbank. The order also sided with a lower court decision in September that said Greg Abbott called incorrect and predicted would be overturned. But more and more of this country's own courts going against the state of Texas. Greg Abbott, governor of the state, with a statement saying the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals denial of Texas's sovereign authority to secure the border with floating marine barriers is clearly wrong. Attorney General Paxton and I will seek an immediate rehearing by the entire court. 
will go to SCOTUS if needed to protect Texas from Biden's open borders. That from Governor Greg Abbott of the state of Texas. He's rather serious about keeping illegal immigration. And you know, he's got a good reason. Texas is the ground zero of illegal immigration. It is, I'm going to assume, more illegal immigration comes through Texas than the other border states of California, Arizona, and New Mexico. And because of that, you see people coming across, bringing all the drugs, creating crimes, vandalizing, killing American citizens. They have nothing to lose, these people coming across the border. They have just gone through hell, if you will, to get to this country. And so, boy, even if they do something stupid in this country and they get caught and they get sent to jail, I'd have to say for most of them, being in an American jail is probably better than being out free in any of these states and countries of which they come from. That's just a guess. But at least they know they get fed and get a bath and things like that in our American penal system. But unfortunately for Greg Abbott, his own country, in this case the United States court system, continues to work against the needs of his constituents, and that is to secure the border and to make Texas not fear the millions and millions and millions of people who are coming across illegally into the Lone Star State. Some more political news. Congratulations to the state of Alabama because Alabama recently just found out that they're going to have their first presidential debate. Alabama getting that presidential debate coming up. I'm I'm not sure the exact date, but I know the Republican GOP has come in a big way for the state of Alabama, for the state of Alabama come through for the Yellowhammer State. We've seen presidential debates in Tennessee. We've seen them in Mississippi. But sure enough, there's going to be a presidential debate November 8th, it looks like. I apologize. It's going to be maybe September? It's going to be at Coleman Coliseum on the campus of the University of Alabama. if my reading here is correct. Okay. Correct that. This story's all out of whack. It was supposed to be at Coleman Coliseum on the Alabama campus, but instead of being at a 15,000-seat basketball arena, this debate will be inside the Frank Moody Music Building. Okay. And this is not a Republican-Democrat debate. This is going to be a Republican-only debate coming up in Alabama. So, uh, sorry, Alabama, you're still, as far as I'm concerned, not getting a major presidential debate. It's going to be another deal where you've got uh, just a handful of people, in this case, DeSantis, Haley, maybe Ramaswamy still up there contending for a fourth Republican GOP debate coming up soon. And not even worth mentioning, I did see that The DeSantis-Gavin Newsom debate from the other day got about 5 million million viewers, and I was one of them. It was an entertaining 
fun debate, I thought, and more reaction coming to that. Did you hear that Gavin Newsom's wife supposedly told him to stop debating DeSantis whenever it was apparent that they might come back and have like bonus debate time during a commercial break? She decided to end it. That's what some reports are saying about Newsom's wife. Who's running California, Gavin? Um, so that was that was intriguing. But Alpharetta, Georgia, the site of that debate between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom last week. And all in all, again, I thought it was a much better debate than what we've seen so far with these Republicans out there, in my opinion, using kid gloves. And they're not, they're not taking the gloves off like they should if they're going to try to overcome the tremendous tremendous margin that they trail DJT on the Republican side as they try to get the nomination for the Republicans in 2024. Over the weekend, I believe Trump was back in. Did he go to Iowa? I watched some of that. He didn't have as much of a raucous time this weekend as he did going to that football game in South Carolina the previous weekend. Uh, Joe Biden, what was he doing this weekend? I didn't hear much from him, so he must have been hanging out in Delaware. I'm I'm just guessing, but I bet you I'm probably right on that one. (laughs) we got more headlines we'll be jumping into as we go forward later on in the show. When we come back, we've got hashtag hullabaloo headed your way. This is where we go on social media and find wonderful, fun things to tell you about. And we got grilled pimento cheese sandwiches to tell you about upon our return. And also, is Texas... A southern state. Wow. What a question. What do y'all think? Let me know here on the Y'all Show. We'll be right back with more conversation about the South. Clyde plays electric song about people playing electric bass but I, I reckon I have to way more that song there from 1980 it was sandwiched between two of Waylon Jennings most famous songs Ain't Living Long Like This was just out before Clyde was out and it went to number one this song Clyde went to number seven and the sequel to Clyde was the theme from the Dukes of Hazard. 
Stroker's Ace. That went to number one as well. But what a cool song from 1980 from Waylon Jennings. Sit on a porch, ain't got no shoes. Picking the bass and singing the blues. And now we know where Woop Woop came from, from that song right there. We're back here on the Y'all Show, covering everything Southern, bringing you up to date on the goings-on of the South and bringing in some music knowledge when we can. Hopefully you all enjoy that. Let's bring in some social media fun here to wrap up our opening hour. We call this Hashtag Hullabaloo. It's a chance for us to look at all the social media goings on and tell you, hey, did you hear about that? Let's go to Karen Espinosa at Karen Espinosa WR. She is a realtor and an associate broker to be specific. And on X, she has a post that caught our producer's attention here at the Y'all Show. Karen writes, this color palette is exactly what your home needs this winter to look stylish. Karen Espinosa, an associate broker with Southern Classic Realtors. Thank you, Karen. She's in the Warner Robins area of Georgia, right outside of Warner Robins Air Force Base. And so Karen is doing us a a favor for all of us who are color challenged when it comes to painting the house. And so Karen has posted on her ex account at Karen Espinosa WR the color palette that you need to make your home look stylish this winter. And here you go. Are you ready for Karen's color parrot color palette? <laughs> color palette of choice for winter twenty twenty three. The colors that she's got chosen to make your home look stylish are the colors of camel, which is kind of a brownish brownish looking color and then cream and silver camel cream silver she's got those chosen as the styles for this winter now how many of you are really willing to take her advice and run out and paint your walls this color brown this color of cream and i would say in this case, this is much more than off-white. This is more, much more than eggshell white. It's, it's darker. It's, it's off-white with a little bit more brown in it to give you this color called cream. If you go to her X account, you'll see she's attached the color palettes of which she's talking about. She must have gone down to Sherwin-Williams and done a lot of research to come up with these colors for homes to be stylish this winter, but... I would go with the cream over the camel and the silver, as much as this is a pure silver looking color that she's picked out, that one's pretty risky too. I remember when I had my first home, my uh, roommate, if you will, at the time had this vision for making one of our rooms have a sort of a crimson or dark red wall. And I remember painting that room and painting it again to get it just the right color. And it came out pretty cool. But I didn't I didn't care for it all that much. It it was 
not my favorite room in the house. I don't know if I can, looking back at that house, come up with a favorite room. It sure wasn't a kitchen. The kitchen was kind of small. But, Karen, <laughs> thank you for that. And we appreciate it. I guess if you're a realtor, you're trying to get houses sold. And so that's what she's out trying to say. Look, if you're trying to put your house on the market right now, it might need just a few touch-ups. And that touch-up might include a new paint choice. And she's got those three choices there. Check it out. Karen Espinosa, WR, on the X world. And see what you think. See if you agree with her. Let's move on to Retro Highway. At Retro Highway. Retro Highway, their X account says, Something good is cooking. If you like my tweets, please follow. Okay, we will do that, Retro Highway. Retro Highway has a question for you. Retro Highway has put this question out for the world to see, and it caught our attention here at the Y'all Show. It says, Grilled pimento cheese sandwich is a southern favorite. Have you tried it? Retro Highway, I can truthfully say, no, I have not tried the grilled pimento cheese sandwich. Now, first of all, Retro Highway, I believe, is not even based in the South, so I'm not sure how much pimento cheese is even available outside of Dixie. And so I don't know where you're seeing it. I don't know where you're tasting it. You must like it or you would not have brought this up. But I've got real questions about pimento cheese's availability. But then a grilled pimento cheese? Now, that's something that I don't see too often. I don't know if I've actually ever paid attention to it. Now that I think about it, a place near me may have it. But I'm not a pimento cheese connoisseur. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I had my first pimento cheese sandwich as an adult. And I don't even know if I had it as a kid, but I'm assuming at some point someone tried to force feed it on me. And so there is a place in my hometown that makes incredible stuff. They do a wonderful job making country ham. They got all the pecan slash pecan stuff you could want. They they are a really cool place to consider for Christmas and, and birthday gifts and more because they ship out lots of stuff. And one of the things they do is they make pimento cheese. And I noticed that when I was looking in the refrigerator that I saw they had their own branded pimento cheese. And I said, you know what? As you grow older, your taste buds change. And although I haven't been the world's biggest pimento cheese fan, I think I'm going to give it a shot. So I found me some delicious bread to smear that pimento cheese on. And I took a couple of bites and I realized I'm not a fan. Now, this same company had their own packaged chicken salad. And boy, was that delicious. But I can I can take the fifth on pimento cheese. But when you do add the grilled pimento cheese to it, now that might, that might make it even more palatable. And boy, a good grilled cheese sandwich with pimentos or not 
is something to behold. I went all out the other day. I went to an awesome place right down the road from where I work, and they have really good burgers. But on their menu, they had a grilled cheese sandwich. And I decided to splurge. I skipped the fries that day. I went in and had their burger, but instead of the fries, I got a grilled cheese sandwich. And I'm going to have to try that again because, boy, was that tasty. (laughs) And I'm sure a lot of people saw me over there with two big sandwiches thinking, what is this guy doing? But actually, the grilled cheese wasn't all that large. And the burger, frankly, wasn't all that large, but it, it did the trick. So a good grilled cheese sandwich is hard to beat, in my opinion. And for some of you out there, evidently Retro Highway, one of them, you got to have those grilled cheese sandwiches with pimentos smacked on them. I don't know. Maybe it's just the brand pimento cheese that I had that just didn't do it for me. It was hot. Some of those things made me have a little watery eye, and I wasn't quite expecting it to be all that hot. But uh, I'll give it another shot some other time if y'all are willing to play ball with me. I, I need to maybe get one of those at the Augusta National Golf Course when they have the Masters. They have pimento cheese sandwiches there. In fact, shout out to Augusta. Not all that long ago, I went to one of their minor league baseball teams' games, the Augusta Green Jackets. And they have their own pimento cheese uniforms they wear from time to time there in Augusta, technically North Augusta, where the ballpark is now located. <laughs> over on the uh, South Carolina side of the Savannah River. But pimento cheese, it's a big deal in a large portion of the South. Unfortunately, for some of us out there, we just are still, we're still fighting it. And, you know, one reason this guy from Retro, whatever his name was, I've already deleted the post, maybe he saw something that Chick-fil-A, remember Chick-fil-A came out with a pimento Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A pimento sandwich? And I haven't seen the commercials for that. I'm not sure if they're still offering that. They that might have been a limited time thing. I don't. I know I went to a Chick Fil A the other day, and it it wasn't screaming at me in the face that that needed to be something I needed to consider when I walked in the door. That's a whole nother ball of wax when we start talking about Chick Fil A, y'all. So let's move on to something else, something much more easier for me to talk about, and that would be Texas. Let's go to the email. Is it Lucky? Lucky has sent something in. Mail at y'all.com. And Lucky has sent in something that says, Texas ain't the South. Texas ain't the South. It's Texas. Okay, I forgot the second line of this. Texas ain't the South. It's Texas. Now, that's pretty Texan of you to kind of have that kind of attitude. Don't come in here with that attitude on the y'all show. Uh, All right. So, you know what? Lucky. Thank you for the email. Mail at y'all.com. Texas is its own thing. I'll I'll give you that as a non-Texan. If you're a Texan... There's a lot to be proud of. You're absolutely right. But you know what? Every southern state can say the exact same thing. Louisiana, 
you're, I'm just going to go with your border states that are in the South. Louisiana has an unusual history with its French influence and Cajun influence. And then the fact that the state's kind of divided in half. North Louisiana is more Baptist and much like other southern states. And then South Louisiana is definitely its own kind of Catholic French heritage type deal with New Orleans and more. And so Louisiana, with its incredible food choices and music, it's a awesome state. And then the other state that would border Texas would be Arkansas. Arkansas, although not as big as Texas, has incredible, incredible natural resources and wonderful tourism options, good people, has produced a president of the United States in recent memory, and Arkansans, quite proud of their state. In fact, they even have a town that shares uh, the same name with you in Texas, Texarkana which is a neat place to go sometime if you haven't been there. And then you got Oklahoma on the other side of the Red River, which has its own unique and proud history with its American Indian influence and the amazing talent that comes out of the state of Oklahoma. So, yes, Texas, you can be proud, but other states have a right to be proud. But the common thread is that we're all, in my opinion, in the South. And we're all, of course, American, but we're all in the South specifically. So, you know what? I'm going to yield to a website called TexasView.org when it comes to the question of Texas is not a Southern state. And this is what TexasView.org writes. With a large state like Texas, there can be confusion about whether it falls under the South or West of the United States. Texas covers a wide range of geographical areas and cultural influences, and there are arguments regarding where it stands. It feels southern to some folk and more western to others. According to TexasView.org, Texas is neither truly south nor west, but is considered south-central. As the second largest American state, it covers a vast land area and has different geographical and cultural influences, One of the primary influences is from Mexico to the south, which gives it part of its distinct heritage. So maybe, now that I think about it, Lucky, you're right. Texas ain't the south. It's it's Texas. But it does have, of course, that east Texas area where I mentioned Texarkana. And you've got Lufkin and other neat little places like Tyler that are very southern. I would even say Houston and Galveston have a very close connection to all of the rest of the South. I'm not saying El Paso is very Southern, but what a great state, the Lone Star State. And we're just glad that the state of Texas is included in our 16 state lineup here. As we close out our first hour, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia and West Virginia. We got it all covered, y'all. That wraps up hour number one. We'll be back with more fun in hour number two. You don't want to miss it. We're the Y'all Show. Talk with an accent on Texas and a whole lot more, y'all.
Hello. We're back on the Y'all Show. It's hour two as we get through this Monday opening week, opening day of the work week for you. Hope y'all had a wonderful weekend. A lot of you probably started having Christmas parties. I noticed when I went out to eat Saturday evening, I saw a couple of events going on that looked like small work-related Christmas parties. Could have been a big family. I'm not sure. Either way, Merry Christmas to all y'all. Yeah, never too early to say that. We're three weeks away exactly today from St. Nick. And wow, has time flown or what? (laughs) So we've got you for another few hours talking about what's going on across the Southeast. Encourage you to join us here at the Y'all Show. You can join us in a couple of different ways. We have our text line open that's available to you 24-7. That text line 615-208-4184. You can also email us here at y'all, and that's M-A-I-L, mail, at y'all.com. Then we also encourage you to listen to us not only on our awesome lineup of radio stations, but you also can listen to us on your own schedule as we have the podcast edition of this show up and going, and that is available to you free of charge on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, Plus, you can find the Y'all Show podcast on Apple Podcasts and in Apple iTunes. All free of charge, all right there awaiting your download, all right there awaiting for you to find it and then share. Share to your buddies. Share to your, share it to your gal pals. Share it to everybody that you go to church or synagogue with. Just share, share, share. As we're trying to build this thing up and do the show that the South deserves, a show that tells you what's going on, but also gives you the kind of stuff you're not going to hear anywhere else. I mean, I just spent five minutes while ago telling you about pimento cheese, and then I told you about is Texas in the South. Now, what other program today is going to give you that insightful information? Nobody. And then we've got all their fun stuff that we share with you, in addition to that kind of goofy stuff. That's not goofy. It's cool. We enjoy doing it, and we are glad that you hopefully are with us enjoying it also. Okay? All right. Coming up in the second hour, we got more headlines that we're going to be covering with you. Some comparisons of our various southern states included in the headlines. Later on in the hour, we've got our Southern History Spotlight. And today in history, we've got a few things that happened that are of consequence. So we're going to tell you about that in our headlines across the southeast. And we've got a few people with birthdays of note today. You know, one of the things I meant to say that happened on this day in history that is going to be a real eye-opener for some of you, did you realize what most people consider the very first Thanksgiving in this country happened on this date in history? And it happened not in Massachusetts. It happened in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And I'm going to tell you about the first Thanksgiving, and why you should be celebrating it today, December 4th. All that is part of our Southern history. Plus, the release of Terry Anderson happened on this day in history back in the early 1990s. And we'll tell you more about this man who has connections to the South and why Terry Anderson's name is worth a mention here on this 4th of December. Plus, Some folks with birthdays in history today, including 
the Jackson kid, Wink Martindale, turning 90 years old. I'm going to tell you more about this radio and media personality right out of Madison County, Tennessee. Also, Cassandra Wilson with a birthday today. She's a jazz singer. We'll let you know more about this lady born in Jackson, not the one that Wink Martindale was born in, in Tennessee. But Cassandra is from Jackson, Mississippi. We'll let you know more about this talented jazz singer. Plus, today is the birthday of Gary Rossington, late member of Leonard Skinnerd. He was born on this day in 1951. And then some others with birthdays today that we'll let you know about. All that's part of our Southern History Spotlight coming your way as we truck through this middle hour of our Monday Y'all Show. Before the hour is up, we've got our Southern Food for Thought with Christmas now being only three weeks away. We have got a good article that comes to us from Epicurious.com. And the, the article is going to be about how you have 23 perfect Christmas place setting ideas. All that is coming up in our Southern Food for Thought. You need to have that perfect place setting in a couple of weeks. Well, listen up to the article that I'll be sharing some highlights from when we have our Southern Food for Thought spotlight in a handful of minutes here in this second hour. Always a pleasure to be with you here on the Y'all Show. Let's dive into some of our news headlines of the day. And let me warn you, one of our headlines is going to be about a 1,700-pound shark (laughs) that's been spotted off of the Georgia coast. Yikes. All right? Okay, don't tell me me that you weren't warned. So, yeah, got that going on. Let's start off with a story out of the federal courts as a federal court has now ordered Texas to move its Rio Grande floating buoy barrier that's been drawing backlash from liberals and from the country of Mexico. And now this is the second legal defeat that this floating buoy barrier has suffered. And Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, is not happy about this decision from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. In fact, Abbott went on X to put the following statement, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals denial of Texas's sovereign authority to secure the border with floating marine barriers is clearly wrong. Attorney General Paxton and I seek an immediate rehearing by the entire court. We'll go to the Supreme Court of the United States if needed to protect Texas from Biden's open borders. They're not playing games. They're going to keep fighting, it appears. The decision by the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals requires Texas to stop any work on the roughly 1,000-foot barrier, and they have ordered it to move it to the riverbank. But illegal immigration, a massive, massive problem in Texas, a massive problem that all of America going through right now, And it looks like Texas will continue fighting for this barrier. They're trying to keep Texas from becoming an international place that people can't recognize, which some people might already say it's already there. But with all the millions of people coming across, it's it's really 
has been and will continue to be way, way out of hand. Speaking of being out of hand, a former diplomat who served as the U.S. ambassador to U.S. ambassador to Bolivia has been arrested as part of a long-running FBI counterintelligence investigation. And this former diplomat, Manuel Roca, is being accused of secretly serving as an agent of Cuba's government. Wow. The 73-year-old Roca arrested in Miami on Friday on a criminal complaint. And more details about the case expected to be made public today. One person speaking with the media said the Justice Department accuses Roca of working to promote the Cuban government's interest. Federal law requires people doing the political bidding of a foreign government or entity inside the U.S. to register with the Justice Department, which in recent years has stepped up its criminal enforcement of illicit foreign lobbying. Roca, a 25-year diplomat, a diplomat for both Republican and President, Republican and Democrat administrations, much of his time as a diplomat spent in Latin America. He was born in Colombia, the country, not the city, and grew up in New York City, but now got some serious charges as his former ambassador arrested Friday and accused of serving as a Cuban agent. Yikes. Not a positive story to tell you about on this Monday. This is a a story that I got to tell you about. I don't know if it's positive, negative, or what, but scientists have tracked a white shark off of the Savannah, Georgia coast, and they've even even given this shark a nickname Mahone. Not Mahome as in the Kansas City Chief quarterback, but Mahone, M-A-H-O-N-E. Mahone is a 13-feet-long shark weighing more than 1,700 pounds. And there's an organization called O-Search that has detected Mahone near Savannah. And Savannah is the latest stop on Mahone's world tour as he's been tagged for a couple of years, been tracked. In fact, Mahone has traveled more than 17,000 miles, according to O-Search. He was originally tagged in Canada. Article comes out, it says, Do not be alarmed if you are in the Savannah area. He was miles away from the beach, and his shark species, the great white, is not interested in humans. They even have a link here at wsbradio.com. They've got this story up. I'm going to click on this thing. I hope this isn't some kind of clickbait uh, virus that I'm about to click on here, but I'm going to do you a favor and follow the Mahone tracker that is linked here on this website. Let's see where Mahone is right now and where he's been as the latest data coming in from this humongous white shark, great white shark specifically, I should point out. He's a big one. He's a big old shark. And he has, to his credit, I said he's roamed all these 
thousand plus miles. He's kept his shark swimming schedule and tour to the northeast of the United States primarily. He's been mostly off of the New England states. But he's been traveling south for a little while, and today he is off of Savannah. Yeah, he's he came just off of South Carolina for the last couple of days and now off of Savannah. So just like all the Yankees, he's he's heading to Florida for winter. And he he's actually was in Florida March of 2022. He was tracked off of the Florida coast. So he, a big old whopper out there in Shark World, be on the lookout for Mahone. Although the article said that there's nothing to fear with this big old thing. Uh, take it at your own risk, I would say, y'all. We've got an article up. From WalletHub.com, the best and worst states for jobs. The best states to find a job? Number one was Washington State. Number two, Virginia. Virginia was number one, actually, in the category from WalletHub of job market rank. But Virginia, the number two state in the country to find a job. Florida comes in at number five. Maryland, six. Then when you come to the states that are the worst states for finding a job, West Virginia is last in the country. Kentucky is just above West Virginia, coming in at number 49. Mississippi, 48. Louisiana, 47. And then in the bottom 10, if you will, you also have Arkansas at 43 and Alabama at number 42 for States trying to find a job. So when you talk to your loved ones today that might live in a place like West Virginia or they might live in Mississippi, whether it's Charleston, West Virginia, or Charleston, Mississippi, hanging out with all the good folks in the state capital of the Mountain State or hanging out with Morgan Freeman there in Tallahatchie County, when you talk to them today and they say, I I can't find a job. Well, now you know, thanks to WalletHub, they, they may not be lying to you because those are the states that are the best and the worst for job hunting. Job hunting, according to this WalletHub article from Adam McCann, job hunting is hard work between searching for employment openings, updating resumes, contacting references, and preparing for interviews. The U.S. labor market remains strong with the addition of 150,000 jobs in October, and the unemployment rate remains well below the pandemic levels, and it's at 3.9%. To come up with this data, WalletHub compared the 50 states across 34 key indicators of job market strength, economic health, and more, and this data set ranges from employment growth to the median annual income, and even the average commute time as part of this. So much easier, it looks like, to get a job in Virginia than in West Virginia, which is saying something. These states are literally side by side. One was formed from the other, and there's a there's a big, big 
difference here. There are a few findings in this WalletHub data that are worth mentioning. They break down one of the categories in this finding, employment growth across the country. South Carolina is number one in the country. It has the highest employment growth in the last year. Virginia's at three, Oklahoma at number five. No southern state pulls up the bottom of employment growth. That's great news to tell you. And way to go, South Carolina, in that subset of doing well with growth of employment. So check it out, wildhub.com. They have this article up, The Best and Worst States for Jobs in 2023. We'll continue on with more of the Y'all Show. We've got more history coming your way next. A reminder, I've got some Beyonce news that I'll share with you when we get to our news headlines coming up in hour number three. But we do have history to tell you about. Thanksgiving should be celebrated today. And I'll explain why. And it should be a Virginia, not Massachusetts type thing. All that is ahead as we continue on with the show all about the South. mighty fine picking we're back here on the y'all show and that picking done by gary rossington of leonard skinnard fame and rossington born on this day in history i'm gonna tell you more about this southern rock sound and the wonderful music that he made in his lifetime we're back here talking about southern history including birthday folks and more and telling you all about what's going on across the southeast on this Monday Y'all program. And did you realize that today should be Thanksgiving Day in America? And you're wondering, what in the world has John been drinking? Actually, I've only had water thus far. But I found this story, and it was news to me. And here on the Y'all Show, we like to tell you things that are news to you and news to me and let's just be real news to all y'all as sure enough it was on this day in history 16 in in the year 1619 
How about this story here? Captain John Woodleaf and 37 men left Bristol, England on the ship Margaret, and they reached Berkeley 100 in Virginia three months later. And they marked their deliverance from the stormy North Atlantic with a simple service of thanks to God. And that would end up being the first Thanksgiving in the English-speaking America, and it is the origins of the Virginia Thanksgiving Festival, which is why way back in 1963, President John F. Kennedy mentioned Virginia in his proclamation. But sure enough, the first Thanksgiving in North America was actually in Virginia. How about that? Did did you know that story? The pilgrims up in Massachusetts, supposedly that happened in 1621. This predated that by a couple of years. And all these folks coming across the treacherous North Atlantic arriving in the New World. And in 1619 on this date, they got together and had their own Thanksgiving. You can learn more about this amazing part of Southern history at virginiahistory.org. They've got a whole article about the first Thanksgiving. And this was news to me, and I try to be a guy that kind of keeps up with the South. I've been to Williamsburg, and I don't remember seeing anything in that area when I was touring. Now, this is called Berkeley 100 in this article of where the first Thanksgiving is alleged to have happened in on December 4th of the year 1619. Berkeley 100 was a Virginia colony founded in 1619, and it comprised about 8,000 acres on the north bank of the James River. It's in what's now Charles City County, Virginia. And again, this was where the first documented Thanksgiving in America happened. There was a American Indian massacre that happened here in 1622, and the colony was abandoned. But in the 18th century, it became known as Berkeley Plantation, which, how about this? Berkeley Plantation is the home family of the Harrison family of Virginia. The Harrison family, which consists of three U.S. presidents as part of it. The descendants include presidents William Henry Harrison, Benjamin Harrison, and Abraham Lincoln somehow ties into the Harrison family of Virginia. That's pretty fascinating. And uh, you can go read up on Harrison family of Virginia sometime. I think I'm going to change my last name to Virginia to to Harrison and move to Virginia and just tell everybody that yeah yeah this is my state this is my country y'all just need to listen to me I'm I'm the man is is that a good idea probably not but Berkeley hundred what a amazing story there that I had not heard of either check it out sometime and this is again in Charles City County Virginia which the county seat of that is Charles City. This is sort of down in the, mm, sort of between Richmond and uh, the Tidewater of, of Virginia is where you would 
describe this as it's not all that far from Jamestown, Virginia. Charles City was first established as Charles City by the Virginia Company in 1619. You know, I haven't been to Charles City, Virginia. I need to check that out. And there you'll find Charles City County in that historic state that we call the Commonwealth of Virginia. All right. First Thanksgiving in that area, 1619. Let's fast forward to well into the 20th century. It was on this date in history that Terry Anderson was released as a prisoner. He was held by captives in Lebanon and held there for a number of years. And it was on this day in history in 1991, Terry Anderson was let go as he was actually captured while playing tennis all the way back in 1985. And he got put in the trunk of a car and held by militants there. His captors were a group of Hezbollah Shiite Muslims who were supported by Iran. And they did this in retaliation for Israel's use of U.S. weapons and aid And so these captors kept this guy, Terry Anderson, for six years. He was released on this day in history in 1991. And he says he forgives his captors. Now, since his time away from Lebanon, he's actually for a time lived in Nicholsville, Kentucky. He taught at the University of Kentucky and has worked in higher education Throughout the last few years, he even even moved in 2014 to the Gainesville, Florida area where he taught a course in international journalism at UF. But a fellow who has lived in the South for a number of years after his 1991 release, you may remember that name from history, Terry Anderson, born on this day, or not born, born, I guess you could say born again, as he was released on this day in history back in 1991, Terry Anderson is now 76 years old, the Ohio native, but still with us and not celebrating a birthday today, just celebrating the anniversary of his release 32 years ago today. Have you ever heard in history, if you're a military historian, have you ever studied up on old blizzards? You know, I had not, and I think of myself as a fairly savvy Civil War historian. But Old Blizzard's the nickname for General William Wing Loring. And what a story. This guy was born in Wilmington, North Carolina. And he served the U.S. Army. He served in the Confederate Army. He even served in the Republic of Texas Army before joining the Confederate Army. And then he capped it all off fighting for Egypt. Old blizzards. I I doubt he had too many blizzards while fighting in Egypt. But this guy, born in North Carolina, he he moved to St. Augustine, Florida as a youngster and got involved fighting Seminole Indians in skirmishes there as a youngster. Then he ran away to fight in the Texas War for Independence as a youngster. I mean, this is in the 18... 
what was that in the mid 1840s when the war was going on out in Texas and he was 20 years old maybe he was born in 1818 born December 4th 1818 in Wilmington William Wing Loring this guy a born fighter fights the Seminoles fights in the Texas war for independence then he fights in the second Seminole war where he became an officer he would go on to study at Georgetown University in Washington D.C. And then got involved in politics where he was elected to the Florida House of Representatives and then tried to run for Florida Senate. Served in the Mexican-American War. Fought there as a lieutenant colonel at one point. Then the Civil War breaks out. And he joins the Confederate cause. And He organized an army of over 11,000 men, Loring did, and fought rather well as a Confederate officer. Some of his battles include Vicksburg. He was at Champion Hill. He was at the Battle of Franklin and in Nashville, and he fought at the end of the Civil War in the Carolinas campaign with Joe Johnson. William Wing Loring, the name. Then, ultimately, after the Battle of Bentonville, he surrendered in Durham, North Carolina. And after the war came to an end, Loring served for nine years in the army of Ismail Pasha, the Khedive, or however that word is pronounced, a sultan, if you will, of Egypt. And he and about 50 other former Union and Confederate veterans went and fought in this war with with Egypt or in Egypt. And they they were actually recommended to Egypt by General William T. Sherman. I mean, that shows you how crazy things were then and and how we really can't say we know what all these people were thinking and doing 170 years ago. I mean, the most hated Yankee general of them all, William T. Sherman, when the war ends, is recommending Confederates that he knows to go fight on behalf of Egypt and a sultan in Egypt. And he sent his own Yankee guys over there too. So we can come together and do that, but people want to destroy monuments today. They don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. But there is a awesome picture of William Wing Loring in his Egyptian officer uniform <laughs> that you can find if you go dig him up uh, information on this guy. And there's even a book out called A Confederate Soldier in Egypt that he wrote after his return to the United States. And he lived there. Uh, he lived in the United States until his death. In fact, he lived most of his years after the war back in St. Augustine. But then he would die in a place a lot of Confederates died, which is really weird. Even Jefferson Davis's own wife died in this place. He died in New York City at the age of 68 back in 1886. Again, on this day in history, General William Wing Loring. He would go on to be a major general in the Confederate Army before surrendering and then fighting in Egypt and more. 
and old blizzards, William Wing Loring, a person you might not know from history, born on this day in 1818. Happy birthday, old blizzards. Also born on this day, a fellow born in Jackson, Tennessee, Winston Conrad Martindale, born on this day. You might know him as Wink Martindale. And he started his career as a DJ at the age of 17 at WPLI in Jackson, Tennessee. He got $25 a week working at that station. He would ultimately move on up to WTJS Radio in Jackson, Tennessee. And then he did such a good job there, he got hired away to a station just down the road in Memphis where he started hosting morning shows on WHBQ when he went to school at Memphis State University. Wink Martindale, born on this day in 1933. Happy 90th birthday, sir. And a great fixture on television. He went on from his time working in Memphis Radio and Jackson, Tennessee Radio to being a guy that a lot of us grew up watching on TV. He hosted game shows like Gambit, Tic Tac Doe, and then he was also on a show called High Rollers back in the 1980s. Wink Martindale, who in many ways rose to fame because of a guy that he kind of helped out. And I, I don't, I don't want to butcher the story, but I've had a chance to talk to people who know Wink. And the story is Wink Martindale was working in Memphis at this WHBQ radio station when a song called That's All Right Mama was played by Wink's counterpart at that station in the evening hours. And the song started getting all this traction from the people calling in. They wanted to hear this newcomer named Elvis Presley and That's All Right Mama. And Wink wasn't even on the air, but he decided to call up this fella's house and try to get him down to the radio station so that they could talk to him at WHBQ. And Wink called up and spoke to Elvis's mama, Gladys, and helped convince Elvis that he needed to come on down and visit with Dewey Phillips, who played that record that Sun Records had just cut. And Wink became a lifelong friend of Elvis Presley as a result. In fact, not long after that, Elvis appeared on Wink Martindale's TV show. And this TV show in 1956 welcomed in Elvis, and this was on WHBQ TV, which was pretty neat. This is from way back in 56, that first magical year that Elvis started showing up around the country. And this is Elvis on in Memphis on WHBQ. Let's listen to a little bit of the conversation between birthday boy Wink Martindale and his guest, his fellow Memphis resident of the time, Elvis Presley. How about the big uh, show at Russwood Park scheduled for July 4th? Bob Johnson surely, I know, wants us to mention that, and we want to mention it. I believe the proceeds from this show go to the Cynthia Milk Fund. Is that right, Elvis? Yes, sir, that's right. And uh, uh, I'd like to say uh, the word that... Uh, uh, let's see, what would I like to say? Uh, I'd, I'd like to say that we have a, a diamond ring that we're going to uh, have as a door prize. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's my initial ring. I've had it for some time, and it has 14 diamonds in it. And uh, 
We're going to give it away at the door as a door prize. I see. And everything. And all the all the proceeds from this particular show, this is July 4th at Russwood Park. Elvis is going to be there. He's going to sing and play. His band will be there. Many other stars will be there, too. And we will certainly want you to watch Bob Johnson's column in the Memphis Press Cemetery. Watch all the publicity on it and get your tickets in advance. Elvis Presley, I want to thank you again because thank we know you're a busy man. And thanks a lot for coming by and seeing us at the dance party and saying hello to all your friends here in Memphis in the Mid-South. And anytime you're in town and want to come by, we certainly will welcome you. Well, thank you very much, Wink, and I'll see you again. Okay, thank you. All right, how about that? From 1956 in Memphis, Memphis, uh, a great, great little interview between the Jackson kid and the Tupelo kid on that Wink Martindale TV show on WHBQ TV. Wow, what young faces. And amazing that Wink is still with us. He lives in Hawaii, from what I understand, these days. And happy 90th birthday, Wink Martindale, today. Today, also in history, a fellow that left us a few years ago, the birthday of Gary Rossington. We started this segment out playing a little Leonard Skinner music. Gary, member of Leonard Skinner, he died in 2023. Of course, he was the founding member of that band and the lead and rhythm guitar player for Skinner. Gary Rossington, born on this day in history. Cassandra Wilson was born on this day in Jackson, Mississippi. Great, talented jazz singer and songwriter. One of the most successful female jazz singers out there. And today, again, is the birthday of 68-year-old Cassandra Wilson. Happy birthday to you, Miss Wilson. Today is the day, of much be- a much better day for him today than last Monday. Frank Reich, born on this day in 1961. Frank, 62 years old today. NFL quarterback turned coach and Last Monday, he was fired as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Frank Reich, celebrating today. Did you realize he is a Presbyterian minister when he's not doing football stuff? And he may be doing more ministering than coaching these days. But he got a nice little severance from David Tepper. So you shouldn't feel too sorry for the birthday boy. His team continues, his old team continues to lose. The Panthers now, I think, one and one and eleven. Is that right? Yeah, 1-11, because there's only five games left for them to play. Dumpster fire there in Uptown Charlotte. And today, sadly, is the birthday of Amy Como. She was born in 1976. Amy died when she was just a youngster back in 1997, right around Christmas. She got in a car wreck while visiting family, and she lost her life at only 21 years old. She was a country music singer. She was on the Polydor Records imprint alongside Toby Keith. And she had a song or two that were out on the charts, and she was really starting to come of age in country music, and she died again uh, in 1990, was it 97? And she was born on this day in 1976. Amy Como, if you ever have a chance, look her up. And cute songs like Moving Out was one of her songs, and she also had another one that was a, I thought a very nice song called Blue. And another, she had three songs that were put out on Polydor. Blue, Who's She to You, and Moving Out. But someone that lost their life right at the beginning of their life and a very powerful voice. Amy Como, a native of Louisiana, born on this day in history. And she, again, died in 1997, right at Christmas. She had taken her grandma, I believe, to see some family in Alabama. And driving back to Louisiana, they got in a car wreck. 
and unfortunately Amy Como was killed. That is a look at some, we'll play some, actually we'll play some Amy Como music coming back from this next break. That's a good idea because I love Amy Como's sound. Boy, she was a gifted young Louisiana lady. We're going to wrap up this hour right after this break. I've got 23 perfect Christmas place setting ideas to share with you before we get out of here this hour. It's all right ahead on The Y'all Show, three weeks away from Christmas Day. Catchy little tune there from the late Amy Como, born on this day back in 1976. She died in a car wreck when she was only 21 years old back in 1997. And we thought we'd play Moving Out. If you are a young lady that's ever moved out or you're the parent of a young lady that's moved out, love this song and go check out the music video. Boy, we used to play it a lot on CMT, Amy Como. We're about to move out of here for hour two. Before we do that, I want to let you know that Epicurious has an article posted, 23 Perfect Christmas Place Setting Ideas. So check out this article. You can learn how you can have white plates with gold trim as a perfect Christmas place setting. You can have shiny flatware. How about plaid placements perfect for the Yule Tide? Check out other options like glitzy napkin rings. And if you don't have any, you've got three weeks to get them for your Christmas feast that you're preparing. Water glasses are another great little thing. It's a helpful article, 23 Perfect Christmas Place Setting Ideas, and this is at epicurious.com. As author Emily Ferris has posted this up, and we look forward for you checking that out and having a great Christmas spread in three weeks. 23 Perfect Christmas Place Setting Ideas. That is our Southern Food for Thought for the hour. We're out of here. Hour three is headed your way next on The Y'all Show. This is Big John, Big John of the Y'all Show. John Rawl of Y'all. Yes, it rhymes, and that was intentional upon my birth to have that happen. We are going to be here for another hour bringing you conversations about the Southeast. We've got plenty of news to tell you about. We've got some Beyonce news specifically we need to pass along to you. We'll do that here in our headlines. Also, Kiefer Ingalls 
making a rare Monday appearance. But you know what? I brought him in here because there's a lot of college football controversy right now. And we'll talk about the college football playoffs decision to kick Florida State out and welcome in Alabama and Texas. What in the heck is that all about, Kiefer? He'll explain when he joins us here in just a handful of minutes as part of our Southern Culture Spotlight. We love our football here in the South, don't we? Before the hour's up, I've got a look ahead of what's on the Y'all Show the rest of the week. Hope y'all are well. It's a beautiful day for most of you across the Southeast. And we got a beautiful, beautiful week of shows headed your way now exactly three weeks before Christmas arrives on December 25th. Hope you all have had a great weekend. And let's dive into some of the news goings on of the South here on this Monday. First off, I want to let you know that a former ambassador for several Latin American countries has now been arrested as Manuel Roca, 73-year-old man, arrested in Miami Monday, or rather on Friday, and he's expected to appear today, Monday, in his first court appearance. But this former diplomat who served as U.S. ambassador to Bolivia Arrested in a long-running FBI counterintelligence investigation, he's accused of secretly serving as an agent of Cuba's government. Roca has served in both Republican and Democratic administrations. But is he tipping off Cuba? We'll find out. Again, former U.S. ambassador now arrested and going to court today, accused of serving as a Cuban agent. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Want to let you know also in our Headlines across the Southeast that, did you realize there's another Republican presidential debate? This one's going to be in the state of Alabama, and it's going to be on the campus of the University of Alabama. And that's going to be taking place Wednesday as Alabama is hosting its first presidential debate from 7 to 9 Wednesday. You'll see Ron DeSantis. You'll see... Nikki Haley and others come to Alabama on the campus of the university to come the University of Alabama. I better point that out <laughs> to talk. And this is going to be at about a thousand seat theater there on the Tuscaloosa campus. And it's the first presidential primary debate ever held in the state of Alabama. So kudos to the Alabama GOP for having this first ever presidential primary debate go on in the Yellowhammer State. Donald Trump, to my knowledge, will not be there Wednesday for this debate. Hopefully they'll have better ratings than what Ron DeSantis, as the lone GOP guy, had with Gavin Newsom. Numbers coming out that he secured about 5 million viewers for that red state, blue state debate that was held last week. Good job, DeSantis. DeSantis needs Beyonce numbers. He needs specifically Beyonce box office numbers. Congratulations to the Texas native as she had a big weekend. Renaissance, number one at the box office, made $21 million in its North American debut. This is her concert movie, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. And according to estimates from AMC Theaters, $21 million in sales Not bad for this concert film. Again, she follows in the rule that 
the Eras Tour Taylor Swift's had recently being atop the box office for several weeks, and now Beyonce, which she directed and produced Renaissance, it's focused on the tour of her Grammy-winning album, and this thing came out the other day debuting at over 2,500 theaters in the country, and it already has earned $6.4 million from, I think, international sales. So, wonderful, wonderful job. Although, it's not really fair to call a concert a movie, is it? By the way, it looks like the Eras Tour, the debut of that, has brought in over $250 million to Taylor Swift already. And the debut for that movie, when it came out in October, was $92 million. So... 20, what did I say, 22, 21 for Beyonce to 90-something. That's a pretty pretty big difference there. I think Taylor's doing a little bit better financially than Beyonce. Of course, Taylor writes almost all of her songs. I'm not sure how many songs Beyonce writes. Beyonce's, to her credit, been busy with family. Taylor has no children The only child she's got is a guy named Travis Kelsey, and she needs to be a better mother to him. Did you see that she made it to the Chiefs-Packers game in Green Bay Sunday evening? And the (laughs) Chiefs lost. They lost to Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers. He, He outdid Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night football. And um, the first loss that I think Travis Kelsey's had to endure with Taylor watching from above in the press box. Beyonce, Renaissance number one over the weekend at the box office. Congratulations. Speaking of football, when we come back, Kiefer Ingalls will be stopping by, our normal Thursday guest, making a special appearance here on this Monday, y'all show, because college football is making a big headline with controversy over teams that did not make the four-team college football playoff. We'll tell you about it. We'll get key for stake, and we'll give you the entire bowl lineup as this Monday Y'all Show continues on the show that shakes the Southland. The Spear. Congratulations to the Garnet and Gold of Florida State University. 
your 2023 Atlantic Coast Conference champions. Perfect season on the gridiron. What a wonderful year for Mike Norvell and everybody in Tallahassee. We're back on the Y'all Show. John Rawl, now joined by Mr. College Football, Mr. Pigskin Prognosticator, <laughs> Kiefer Ingles. And how about those Seminoles? What a wonderful time it is in Tallahassee. Yeah, man, they're celebrating like crazy down there. And this is what we'd be talking about in a totally alternate universe because <laughs> they're all pretty mad. Florida State absolutely got hosed, in my opinion, as they got left out of the four-team college football playoff Sunday. Did you see the video of the team watching the selection and Mike Norvell sitting there by himself in a chair? He's got a good-looking family. Where were they? Where was his like athletic director? He was there like he was in timeout when it was announced that the Knowles didn't make the playoff. And he then, wanted to be there celebrate with his team, man. Yeah, but it looked weird. And, and then the players stormed off. Some cried, and I don't blame them. You are taught to go out and win your conference champion. You're taught to have a perfect season. You're taught that do all this in a power conference like the ACC, and you will be rewarded. How in the hell did they get left out, Kiefer Ingles? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a totally messed up situation over there. The the yeah, it's a totally messed up situation. The the criteria to make the playoff is is so under scrutiny right now because that I mean what is it what is it used to and in, in every case in the history of the college football playoff if you go undefeated and win your power five conference championship you're in the playoff and Florida State did that and they went undefeated they won their conference championship and they're not in the playoff they're number five number five fifth ranked so it's it's insanity you know if if, if the goal of the committee for the college football playoff is to put the four best teams in there, I still don't even know if they got it right. I mean, Florida State, yeah, they're the most deserving. They won the conference championship. They went undefeated. I've said it five times now, but they, you know, one of the reasons they did that is their quarterback, and they would not have beat any of these other four teams um, should, yeah, but, had they have gotten in. But they, they struggled in their last two games, but they did it with second and third stream quarterback, which gives right. them even more credit credibility that they won when they faced adversity. But, no, nah, they didn't face that much adversity. They beat Florida, and then they went and won against Louisville. Well, Florida didn't even make a bowl. It doesn't matter. They beat LSU, too, FYI. That was with their good quarterback. It doesn't matter. They beat two SEC well, teams. Well, Look, well hold on, hold on, hold on. Clearly it does matter because they got left out because of the quarterback. Well, that's bull. Now this quarterback feels like he probably should jump off a bridge today because he's blaming himself yeah. for getting hurt. That's crazy. He even said on his Twitter yeah, that he wish he I wish he'd been hurt earlier. earlier in the year. I well, mean, I mean, if get, you're at, for Florida State, they, I guess they wish he had too. I mean, they, they wouldn't have been left out if they had won the season had he get, gotten hurt earlier. Kiefer, I'm mad. You should be. I'm mad because these kids had a perfect season. And they don't have a chance to continue on. You got to be kidding me! Now all this screwed, gets man. all this gets changed next year. But I hate I hate that that's what everybody's saying. Like, you know, all the media is like, well, you know, if they got, they got snubbed this year, yeah, but next year it's twelve, so you won't have to worry about this next year. But like, that's just it's, it's not fair. It's not fair. Perhaps this is the SEC's revenge. On two occasions, Florida State has had the opportunity to join the Southeastern Conference. On two occasions. They've turned the other way. And so now SEC finds a way to get their conference champion in with one loss, FYI. That would be the Alabama Crimson Tide. Congratulations to them. Big win over Georgia. Hey, Georgia has a right to be pissed off yeah. today. 20, Georgia, 29 straight wins. They lose one in, the, in a game. That by they, a field goal. Right? By a field goal in, a game, in you know, an extra game. 
you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's an extra game that they're playing. Right. And uh, now they're out of the playoff. So, I mean, it's pretty pretty nuts. And Georgia and FSU will get together yeah. in the Sugar yeah, Bowl? Or kinda, where, where in is the, uh, the Orange Bowl. Orange so Bowl. So, it, it was pretty funny, um, the Orange Bowl conference between the two coaches and the, the director of the bowl. I mean, two people that looked like they wanted to be anywhere else but that phone call, Kirby Smart and Mike Norvell. Okay. Well, should be a good bowl game. And, and honestly, I'm okay with us having more than one national champion this year. I mean, I'm not. I mean, Georgia's going to beat him by 30. We'll see. We'll see. You didn't but, like our, our yeah, guy I mean, from Coving- I mean, Covington, Tennessee this weekend? How could you? He threw for 55 yards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more power to you, buddy. But 55 yards. And, hey. They threw for 75 in the game before that, so 120 yards combined in the last two games. Really and they beat the Gators and the Louisville Cardinals. That's, uh, that's the winning ticket. But controversy with this college football playoff. So the four teams that are in, Michigan followed by Washington, then you've got Texas, Texas and then Alabama. So Texas sneaks in. Many people – I mean, Texas would – if Georgia had won against Alabama, what would have happened? Texas would have been four, I guess. Over. Florida State was getting left out. You regardless. think so? Oh, yeah. All right, that's what they I'm... don't have a quarterback. They could they they would not have put up more than fourteen points against any team that they would have played. If you've got a complaint, Kiefer Ingles at y'all dot com is the email address, and yeah. I, I really think you should email him and lay it on to this guy. So Texas, to their credit, they win the Big Twelve. What an awesome post game celebration that was! Did you see yeah. that? Was with awesome. the Big 12 commissioner up on stage and everybody's booing and then they start out <laughs> yelling SEC, SEC. You got to love stuff like that, the pettiness of college football. Well, the guy created this controversy by essentially telling Texas Tech they needed to go and whoop up on Texas. Take care of business. When they played them just the other day. and, and uh, But that's what college football all, is all about, passion and more. But the Longhorns make it, and then you've got – UW with their victory. In yeah, they were, they were 10, point, 10 point underdogs in that Pac 12 championship game. They were against yeah. Oregon? Yeah. I mean, for, for whatever reason. I don't really understand why. Yeah. And then you got Michigan, which continues to do well. So tell me about the, these four. Huh? Cheat? Yeah. yeah. Tell me about these four teams. What, what, what are we looking at here when we get to the uh, playoff in a few weeks? You got Alabama facing off against Alabama Crimson Tide. Or, sorry, Michigan facing off against the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, uh, Michigan's favorite. Michigan's one and a half point favorites. Then you got Washington and Texas. That's at the Rose Bowl, by the way. Yes, it is the Rose Bowl. Then you got Washington and Texas, I believe, Sugar Bowl. Washington and Texas will be in the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day. Both games that we just mentioned are New Year's Day contest with the Rose Bowl starting at 5 Eastern and the Sugar Bowl at late night, 8.30 Eastern game. Oh, have mercy. Okay. ESPN's got both of these games. But the uh, college football four finalists, the four teams making it into it, these games set for New Year's Day, the national championship game this year in Houston. And that Ooh. game will be on January 8th. NRG Stadium down there. NRG. It'll be a late night game on ESPN for the national championship of college football January 8th. So – those are your four finalists. Who you got coming out of this victorious? Oh, man, I got Alabama beating Michigan in the first round. I got Texas beating Washington, so I'm looking for a, a rematch of that early season game between Alabama and Texas. And I could see Alabama coming out on top of this one. You think? Yeah. You would put your money on that? I already have. Okay. All right. Gambling problems? Call Kiefer Ingles. 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. 
There we have it. Now, what about the remaining teams that were just on the doorstep of making it into the playoff, but they go to what's called the New Year Six Bowl games? Oh, yeah. So Florida State and Georgia, they're going to be facing off in the Orange Bowl down there. And that's a New Year's – In Miami. Uh, that's not news. No, the New Year Six, they're all like no, no. the 29th through the through the 1st. Yeah, this is on December the 30th. So most of the time they're going to be on the 30th and the 31st. Um, the Cotton Bowl, however, this year, Missouri and Ohio State, they moved that to the 29th. Okay. So the Cotton Bowl will be on the 29th. That's Which is like, a Friday. Yes, again, it's Missouri a Friday and Ohio State. between the Buckeyes and Mizzou. Then on Saturday, the 30th, you've got the Orange Bowl with FSU and Georgia. Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Penn State, and the University of Mississippi. We're pretty familiar with what Lane Kiffin's done, but what about James Franklin? Does he have a two-loss team? He's got a two-loss team to Michigan-Ohio State. He's also, funny enough, funny enough, two and nine against top 15 opponents in his Penn State career. So this would be another two and, you know, probably going to make it two and ten. So the white of Penn State and that uh, sissy blue of Oxford well, you're clash. Gonna, you're going to be getting the traditionalist home blues for Penn State in this game. And really? you're going to be getting, I'm hoping. How do you know that? Because they're a traditionalist team. And they, if they're the home team, they wear their blues. And okay. if they're the away team, they wear their whites. Oh, and they're the home team for this game. So they will be wearing blue. Their Twitter account's already come out and said it. Uh, for but Ole Miss, fan, though, I have no idea. The fans wear white. Yeah, the fans will wear white. Yeah. And whatever that team down in Oxford does. So let's talk about Liberty. Liberty. Yeah. Wraps up the CUSA championship, and they go to the Fiesta Bowl. They just got yeah. past Tulane and They're SMU. They're going to get beat by 50 points probably. They've got Oregon as their opponent there in Glendale on New Year's Day. That's, that, that's the them. precursor to the other New Year's Six, uh, the the other CFP games, Fiesta Bowl. That's an early start out in Glendale on New Year's Day. Talk about an early start on the day after New Year's Eve. Not going to be a lot of people in that game, I don't think. Doubtful. So that's your New Year's Six lineup. Let's start, believe it or not, next Saturday, Kiefer. We got college football bowl games. Oh, yeah, Armed Forces. Armed Forces might be one of them, but I'm going to go in order of which they kick off. Well, so, we don't have any. There, There is no. There is one game this weekend, and that is the Armed Forces Bowl. This coming weekend? Yeah. I don't see that on my bowl schedule. Well, it's not a bowl. It's a, It's the last register last regular season game for him. You talking about Army Navy? Yeah. That's not the Armed Forces Bowl. It is Armed Forces playing each other. It's not the bowl. Well they're not armed forces. They're service academies. Come on, get your stuff together. So December well, there is one there is one game this weekend and that is that what that game is. There's actually some playoff games in the FCS big game. We're talking about real games. There's here. also the SWAC uh, no, that's not that's that's a that's considered a bowl game that I'll tell you about in a second. The first bowl game is going to be the Myrtle Beach Bowl. And that's going to be featuring Georgia Southern and the Bobcats of Ohio. That's next Saturday, December 16th there at Brooks Stadium in O'Ree County. Then you got the SWAC champion Rattlers of Florida A&M and the Howard Bison getting together in Atlanta for the Celebration Bowl set on uh, December 16th. Also on that Saturday of next week, the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State. They'll take on the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette in the New Orleans Bowl. App State which lost in the Sunbelt Championship game. They're going to take on the winners of the MAC as Miami of Ohio. They've got a a quarterback from my hometown. I was actually tuning in watching the MAC Championship for a moment. Well, that MAC Championship. I heard my hometown mention, and I'm like, what? That MAC Championship was a boring one, man. I I really – for MAC all year, it's been, you know, high scoring, pretty interesting. But I I thought Toledo – 
I mean, it was just a it was just a game. Well, Miami of Ohio is going to be in the Cure Bowl, taking on the Mountaineers of Appalachian State. The spoiler makers. The Aggies, the Auburn beaters, they're going to be taking on Fresno State in the New Mexico Bowl, also next Saturday, December busy day, December 16th. That's the New Mexico Bowl. Also, you got the L.A. Bowl, Boise State and UCLA. Boy, UCLA is having to go a long way for this one. That one's going to be on ABC Saturday evening, December 16th. And then finally, next Saturday, the good old Independence Bowl in Shreveport. It's the Cow Bears and the Texas Tech Red Raiders in prime time from Shreveport. Any thoughts on those opening day of bowl games? I can't wait for them to get here, man. I miss college football already. Jeez, what's wrong with you? What do you mean? There's a lot wrong with you. Do you want me to watch the NFL? This is a new bowl game I'm not, not familiar with, and I, I can't imagine this is happening at Bank of America Stadium, but it's supposed to happen in Charlotte. December 18th, is this the – no. What is this bowl all about? It's Western Kentucky and Old Dominion in the famous Toastery Bowl. What's a famous toastery? I don't know. But it's going to be taking place on Monday, December 18th. Famous Toastery Bowl, WKU. Is that supposed to be the Pop-Tart Bowl? (laughs) I don't know. That's another one. That's another one. I don't know. You got the Frisco Bowl, uh, Roadrunners of San Antonio against the Thunder and Herd of Marshall. That'd be a good game. We are. Frisco Bowl coming up December 19th. Boca Raton Bowl's got USF and Syracuse in it on December 21st. Gasparilla Bowl. I thought that bowl had gone away, but evidently is still kicking Tampa is where you'll find Georgia Tech and UCF on December 22nd. The Birmingham Bowl, many thought that Auburn would be heading to Birmingham for that, but no, it's going to be the Duke Blue Devils and the Troy Trojans winner of the Sun Belt Conference. Congratulations to Coach Sumrall and those Trojans. What a great year they've had. And they're at Protective Stadium. You can tune in on noon on December 23rd, which would be Saturday, December 23rd, and see that game, the Birmingham Bowl. Just down the road in Montgomery at the exact same time on the exact same day, the Camellia Bowl features the Indian Red Wolves of Arkansas State and NIU in the Camellia Bowl. You wanted to have an Armed Forces Bowl, big guy? Well, the actual Armed Forces Bowl is going to be December 23rd in Fort Worth featuring JMU and Air Force. Got a bowl game, man. So there's your Armed Forces Bowl. Winners of the... I believe Air Force can now be listed as winners of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. Actually, no. No. Let me take that back. Army might be. Or I maybe so. it's still, I, think, I think it's... It's still maybe up in the air. Army needs to beat Navy. Because, I mean, at all Army time, beat Air an all-time collapse by Air Force this season, No the kidding. Way. They were, they were rock and rolling. What are we talking about, dude? Famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Utah State and Georgia State get together in Boise December 23rd. South Alabama and Eastern Michigan... They're in the 68 Ventures Bowl in Mobile. So USA plays in their own stadium, just like another team that I'm about to tell you. The Memphis Tigers. Ah, come on, let me tell you. (laughs) Mobile has got that bowl on December 23rd. Wildcats of Northwestern, congratulations to them. They had a lot of controversy. Unbelievable turnaround this season. Entering this season with Pat Fitzgerald's firing. And Lots of, the Wildcats uh, and the Utes of Utah get together in the Las Vegas Bowl on December 23rd. The Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina leave beautiful O'Ree County for the bright lights of Honolulu. And there, Coastal Carolina on December 23rd, Molikamiki Waka, whatever that is. 
Merry Christmas in a wine. No, I don't. You don't know that song? Coastal Carolina will be celebrating Christmas out on the island with San Jose State in the Hawaii Bowl. Great bowl to go to. Just after Christmas, since Christmas is on a Monday this year, on Tuesday, December 26th, Detroit's got the Quick Lane Bowl, Bowling Green, and Minnesota. The First Responder Bowl in University Park in Texas. I guess that's SMU's stadium. First Responders got Texas State and the Rice Owls coming in for that one. Also, on the 26th, you got the guaranteed rate game there at the Diamondbacks Stadium in Phoenix, Kansas, and UNLV. The Military Bowl in Annapolis features Tulane and Virginia Tech. December 27th, it's Duke's Mayo. This is the bowl I was worried about. Charlotte may have renamed the Duke's Bowl. No, it is. they got two bowl games coming to Charlotte this year. Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina, and West Virginia on December 27th. Then you've got Louisville and USC in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. It's a lot of bowl games, Kiefer. I'm about to run out of breath. <laughs> 63 of them. Are you serious? What? I think it's 63. It used to be like 40-something. Let's check. Let's check. You check that out. Oklahoma State and Texas A&M get together in the Texas Bowl on December 27th. That's in Houston. 43. Okay. I knew it was they, – they, they really didn't move it up if they've got uh, 63. Fenway Park has the Fenway Bowl in Boston. Boston. SMU and Boston College. BC not traveling far from Chestnut Hill for this one on December 28th. Miami – the U and Rutgers in an old Big East clash. They get together in the Pinstripe Bowl also on December 28th. What do you think of baseball game, baseball stadiums hosting college football bowl games? I like it. It's fun. I, I think it's pretty cool. They just need good attendance. Pop-Tarts Bowl. There's my favorite of the year. Pop-Tarts Bowl's got NC State and Kansas State in it on uh, December 28th in Orlando is that bowl game between the Pack and the Cats. The Cats, baby. Uh, OU, just missing out on a Big 12 championship opportunity. They're going to be playing in the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio against the Wildcats of Arizona. Arizona. That's going to be a great bowl. Seems to have turned it around they there. They, they they got a good, good direction there in Tucson. Gator Bowl, Clemson and Dabo, they're on a roll. Tyler from Spartanburg, they owe you a thank you note. <laughs> Clemson and the Kentucky Wildcats, a team not on a roll per se, although they did beat Louisville. The Cats and the Tigers in the Gator Bowl, December 29th. It's going to be a good game, man. I went to last year's Gator Bowl, first bowl game I'd been to in quite some time. Really? Yeah. Had a good time out at uh, Jacksonville Beach the night before. Saw the bands. A lot of beautiful people. A lot of Trevor Lawrence stuff around the stadium. Yeah. Which is not what I was looking for. <laughs> you don't want to see all the long hair everywhere? No, I don't. Tony the Tiger Bowl. That's going on in El Paso on December 29th between the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and Oregon State. Also on the 29th, the aforementioned Memphis Tigers. They'll be home in the Bluff City taking on the Iowa State Cyclones in the Liberty Bowl on December 29th. And there are still a few more games i got to get to. Man, there's too many bowl games. Uh <laughs> Maryland and Auburn will be in the Music City Bowl Terps, December 30th. Huh? The Terps. Yeah, Tua. Tua's brother. No, yeah, not Tua. What's his name? Talia Tagovailoa. Talia. Tagovailoa. Sorry. Let me yeah. get my pronunciation yeah, correct. Yeah, there you go. The Terps and the Auburn Tigers in the Music City Bowl December 30th. Toledo, which lost out on that MAC championship, they've got the Cowboys of Wyoming that they'll be going up against in the Arizona Bowl at the uh, Wildcats Stadium in Tucson on December 30th. 
Then on New Year's Day, it's Wisconsin and LSU and the ReliaQuest Bowl from Tampa. That's the old uh, Outback Bowl, I guess. Yep. The Tax Slayer? Is that what that used to be? Tax Slayer was Gator Bowl. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Which, do they have the game? They don't have a corporate name for the Gator Bowl, do they? So it's not Tax Slayer anymore. That's it's crazy. just called Gator Bowl, according to this. And ReliaQuest has Wisconsin and LSU. And then the Citrus Bowl in Orlando has got Iowa and the Tennessee Volunteers on January 1st. And that is your 43-game bowl. There are 133 teams that played Division One FBS football. And Liberty's got the worst strength, the weakest schedule out of all 133. The Liberty Bowl does? No, Liberty. Liberty. Oh, you're talking about the, the college. Yeah. Liberty should be playing in the Liberty Bowl if they're going to be going to a bowl. But no, they get it. They get into a New Year's Six. Yes. Jamie Chadwell, first year there in Lynchburg, Virginia, taking the Flames to a major bowl game. Yeah. Does that have something to say about the state of college football? When Liberty, which was an FCS team three years ago, how they could go from that to scheduling. I mean, they got the literally the 133rd worst easiest schedule in uh in college football. And they won all their games, you know. <laughs> so it's crazy. But uh, I don't want to give Chadwell too much credit. Liberty's been good. I mean, that's how Hugh Freeze got the job at Auburn. So if there's a place you want to go to be a coach, I'd, I'd argue Liberty's one of them, man. They got some money up there. Well, they got God on their side. They got God on their side. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. Yeah, lots of uh let's hope that where are they where's their bowl at again? Fiesta? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll Where's that? Glendale? Oregon. Glendale? Yeah. Yeah. Pool boys, watch out for them. Pool boy? Oh, yeah. You're talking about Jerry Falwell Jr.? I am. Yeah. You know your politics. I'm impressed. But Liberty making it. Anything you want to say about these 43 bowls? Can't wait to watch almost every one up. Are you going to do that? I, I do usually. I'm not planning on watching a single one. Really? No. I got stuck watching games Saturday, and I shouldn't have. Because there was nothing else to do. I mean, I, that's, mean, that's their, I watched them because there was nothing else for me to do Saturday. See, that's, how, that's why we're different, you know. You watch them because there's nothing else to do. I watch them because, thank God, I got to watch them. I even watched a little bit of a college basketball game Saturday. Isn't that pathetic? I, you know, it may be pathetic. I was in attendance at a college basketball game Saturday. I actually, Friday night, out of boredom, I went back and watched the replay of the last couple minutes of an NBA game. Now that, my friends, is what you call peak boredom <laughs> <laughs> so peak boredom wish, right there. wish me well but uh what so, you, what well, you, this past saturday i was uh, at a uh, old miss versus memphis oh, basketball surprising. game how yeah how surprising. surprising um old miss they've got the tallest college basketball player in the country right now who jamarian sharp seven foot five He's pretty dang uh he's pretty dang tall out there on the court, man. It's cool to see. We're talking with Kiefer Ingles here on the Y'all Show. Monday we usually have Kiefer in on Thursday, but uh after this whole FSU being left out thing, I said you 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 gotta come talk gotta to us. Gotta give the people what they want, you know. So you were at that game Saturday between Coach Chris Beard, first year in Oxford. Yep. He's doing well. He's doing well. No choking there. He's got a guy that transferred in from St. Peter's that has the tallest. You may have the you may have the tallest player on his roster. He's got the guy with the tallest hair yeah. that I've seen since it's the crazy. Memphis Tams of the ABA. Yeah, he's, I mean he's uh, got Afro he, on steroids. Yeah, and the Afro on steroids, man. It what's his it, name? It worked. It worked. Uh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. Uh, it may not be may not be Jamal. Something Murray. 
Something Murray. Murray. Regardless, he Miss, hit four. Mister to you he, and hit, I. he hit four um, go at lead changing go ahead shots in the last three minutes of that game on Saturday, and he's hit eight in the last three games for the Ole Miss Rebels. They're pretty good. So he's got the ice in his veins, one hundred percent. And let's talk about Memphis. Of course, Penny Hardaway leading they that look program. Great. You, you, you're. Is Memphis going to be good? I think so. They look I, good. I, I think it was Chris Beard that might have said that Memphis was a top ten team. Yeah, Memphis. I mean, they they look. They're great. not. But They're he, not. He considers Matter them of fact, to be. Neither of them are ranked. <laughs> yeah, but, but could, both teams look great on Saturday. And Memphis, you know, they've they've got some promise for sure. So my question is, you know, Memphis puts a lot of effort into their basketball program. Do Indeed. you do you think Memphis is going to be a contender this year? Um, I mean, you know, maybe. It's they're going to be a contender in their division for sure. Um, nationally, I don't know. I mean, they'll they'll probably make the tournament and give it a run. I'd say like they usually do. I mean, I, I like the Tigers this year. One other college basketball note before we get back to more important things. How about those Seahawks? The Seahawks. Yeah. Who are they? UNC Wilmington. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Knocking off Kentucky, man, and then losing the next game by ten points. Did they really? <laughs> yeah. They played a game Sunday. Yeah. Wow, back to let that. Me, let, me, let me just pull up what the, uh, what the score of that game don't was. Don't confuse UNCW with Seattle Seahawks. No, well, possible to do that. Yeah, but shades of VMI going into Rupp and knocking off Kentucky. Just an embarrassing loss. You know, when Kentucky lost to VMI, I believe that was Billy Gillespie's final year. So oh, yeah? is this going to be Coach K's? No, not Coach K. What's his name now? That gum name. <laughs> Cal Perry. Um, Cal, Coach Cal. Uh, Coach Cal, that, that I mean, look, Kentucky's going to get pretty impatient when they see a school like, let's say, Beard does a heck of a job. Yeah, they're going to want to get him quick. I think Ole Miss needs to extend Beard now. <laughs> well, because somebody said somebody's going, he's going to be there if he if he does what is expected. He's going to be a miracle worker in his first. He already did a miracle worker at Texas Tech. He did it in in Austin. Yeah, he had he's, the long now he's seven and zero and going to be ranked in the top twenty five. And, and UK. First rankings come out tomorrow, I believe. They need the promised land up there. Duke needs the promised land. How about Duke losing Arkansas to Arkansas and Georgia Tech over yeah, the weekend? Craziness. They've lost two straight games to non-ranked opponents. All right, let's talk football. Do you mind? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, so we got college football going on. Tell me real quick, Kiefer Ingles' take on NFL? Uh, pfft, hardly watch it. Okay. I noticed that the Kenny Pickett, uh, quarterback for the Steelers, had a kind of a gruesome ankle injury yesterday, so he's going to be out for the rest of the season. If I had to guess, um, I noticed Colts the, won an overtime game yesterday. The Steelers game, whoever they were playing, the Cardinals had a delay. What was that all about? I don't know. The delayed start. I'm not sure. Okay, I, I didn't know if it was storms or I don't know snow or what was going on there in the Steel City. But Pickett, you said is out. Yep, perhaps for the year. Yep. Pretty bad ankle injury yesterday towards the end of the game. How about the Eagles? Yeah, getting, they, they getting got blown out yesterday. By the 49ers. 49ers look pretty good. Um, Eagles, yeah, you know, they just down game for them. They didn't look too hot. So you got a lot of NFL goings on right now this time of year. And then uh, you're a big golfer. Yeah. You had the thing down in yeah, the Scotty, Bahamas over the weekend. Scotty Scheffler won the did Hero he? World Challenge down there. Tiger Woods presented him with the trophy. And Tiger Woods got top ten. So Oh, he did? Time. Yeah. All right. Well, I refuse to watch that because every time I had an interest in watching, it was all about Tiger. Now, I do realize this is his tournament, right? right. Yeah, literally his tournament. So. <laughs> but uh, it was like, here's Tiger. He's 25 shots behind, but let's watch every shot that he's got instead of uh, some yeah. of the that, – that's the way it always is. So mm-hmm. usually if Tiger's in a tournament, I, I generally tune out. That's what happens, out. man. That's what happens when uh, 
when you, when Tiger's in a tournament, if you take the stats, like the the viewership is it usually ten x's when he's in there. So I mean, they're going to give the people what they want. Well, sadly, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> John Rawls in the minority of the people. <laughs> yeah, when he's up there on the top, maybe about to win something, I'll tune in. But I don't want to watch him. Yeah, that's my greatest live watching on TV sports moment is watching him win the Masters in 2019. I still get chill bumps every time. I can't it's brought believe up. you won that. I can't either. It was it, it was insanity. Uh, somebody choked. Was that Scheffler? Uh, no, it was. Uh, Foreign guy. I don't know what his name is. Foreign guy. There's a few of those. He's Spaniard. Uh, wasn't John Rom? Shoffley. Xander. Xander Shoffley? Yeah. He's not foreign. He's from California. Xander Shoffley. Yes, he's from California. Hmm. Learn something new every day. Jeez. Let me tell you about sports, big guy. All right, Kiefer, always great to catch up with you. Any, yes, sir. Anything sports-wise we should know going in before – are we going to get you back in here Thursday? We'll we'll do we'll devote, yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk some we'll some do, Army we'll, Navy. We'll devote twenty five minutes to Army Navy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but we'll see what we'll see what we can get going. And uh, Coach Munkin getting his uh, cadets ready for the game this we year. We talked transfer portal on Thursday. A lot of uh, a lot oh. of big names entering the portal. Is that right? Yeah, huge names. Give me a name or two that just, uh, just happened in the last 12, 14 hours. I'll give you one that just happened in the last twenty minutes. Dylan Gabriel out of uh, Oklahoma was he the starting quarterback? Yep. Why would he leave? Uh, allegedly following Jeff Levy to Mississippi State. Oh wow! Hell, or Hell or, State. or he's going up to Oregon to uh, replace Bo Nix. A lot of a lot of potential landing spots is, is for Nix. Uh, done. Yeah, so he's done. <laughs> well, end of an era, man. He's been there for twelve years. It okay, seems like. Well, I mean, I, uh, you, I mean, I saw something the other day. There's a kid playing for somebody who's been playing for eight years. Yeah, yeah. three injury seasons for that guy. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make any daggum sense. But we'll talk that on Thursday. All right. Well, Kiefer, always a pleasure talking to you, sir. Right back at you, man. I bringing appreciate a, you having me on. Bringing a smiling face to the Y'all Show. And, again, Florida State, you have a real reason to be upset. File your grievances with Kiefer Ingles. Or file your uh, class action lawsuits with the university. I would definitely do that. We'll talk about that in the next hour. The ACC should be stepping up the argument on that one. We'll wrap up this show with a look ahead of the Y'all Show going forward the rest of the week. This is the program all about the South. We are y'all, and we will be right back. On the drying line Do I remind you of your daddy In his 88 Ford Labrador hanging out the passenger door The sand from your hair Is blowing in my eyes Blame it on the beach Grown men don't cry Do you remember that beat down Basement couch I'd sing you my love songs and you'd tell me about How your mama ran off in pondering I remember, I remember everything A cold shoulder closing time You begging me to stay till the sun rose Strange words 
Birds, come on out. That's the number one song in country music. That has been the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100. Zach Bryan out of Oklahoma. Congrats to him. He also recently had the other number one song, Something in the Orange, atop the chart. And this is an awesome song. And one of the reasons it's so daggum awesome, he's got one of the most awesome voices and most beautiful women out there singing as part of it, Casey Musgraves. Where the hell are you going to ease mine? You're like concrete feet in the summer heat. And birds like hell and two souls meet. No, you'll never be the man that you always swore. But I'll remember you singing in the Again, number one in the land right now. Congratulations to Zach Bryan and Casey Musgraves for a memorable tune. Going to wrap up this Y'all Show Monday edition with a look ahead of what we got coming the rest of the week here on the show that truly is shaking up the Southland as we've got on Tuesday's Y'all Show, our Southern Political Report coming your way. And on that political report, we will give you the latest on the upcoming GOP debate that's going to be held on the campus of the University of Alabama on Wednesday. We also have our Southern Book Report on Tuesday's Y'all Show. And our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, will be back on. Ain't no telling what he's going to be talking about. On the Wednesday Y'all Show, you make sure you join us. We've got our Southern Food for Thought Plus our Southern Business Spotlight coming your way with all the goings-on of business across Dixie. On Thursday's Y'all Show, always fun when we can give you the latest out of Nashville. It's our Music Row Report that we call the Nashville Music Line Report. That, plus we'll also have our festivals going on across the Southeast this coming weekend. A lot of Christmas-related events. We'll fill you in on all that on Thursday's Y'all Show. And then the guy that was in here just a few minutes ago, Kiefer, is going to be back to talk college football in our final hour of Thursday's Y'all Show. And then Friday, oh, it's always wonderful to welcome in Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group. He'll be in to talk the week on Wall Street. We'll give you all the big movies coming out this weekend. And we'll have some good Southern humor and fun to pass along on Friday. And you know what? We'll do that all week long. Right here on the show that is 100% deep fried. It's 100% all about Dixie. John Rawl, thanking you so much for being a part of the Y'all Show broadcast on great radio stations and in podcast form. You can find us on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, plus Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, and at y'all.com. Until Tuesday's show, have a great rest of your day, and thanks for listening. Rock good whiskey's gonna ease my mind Beach town dress on the drying line Do I remind you of your dad?